0: Hello, this is Jake Watkins, I'm the Young Adults Pastor at Cross City Christian Church and welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk inspires you and encourages you into anchoring the love and power of Jesus into your daily life. Enjoy the message. We're starting a new series tonight, very excited about It's called Cancelled. Thank you. One person's very excited. It's called Cancelled. It's all about the controversial sayings of Jesus. So um, I don't know if you heard, but recently I was like listening to a podcast and I heard someone talk about the fact that uh, Lizzo, Lizzo was in the running, uh, like the top in line to uh, perform at the Super Bowl. And she got cancelled. They took her out of talks for that because she had some people uh, sue her. Some of her backup dancers uh, were suing her and saying that uh, that Lizzo sexually harassed them and also body shamed them, which is wild because Lizzo was supposed to be like breaking the barriers of like representation and like body image, right? She was supposed to like be pushing culture forward. And then she's harassing her backup dancers that's insane to me anyway all this came forward more the people came forward like it wasn't just one person it was a group of people and so now Lizzo's effectively canceled right and in the eyes of social media and the world like you're guilty until proven innocent and I just I don't know how she's I don't see how she's gonna make out of this I am not saying I'm upset by this by any means uh I'm not saying I'm happy either, but you know, God works in mysterious ways, and and now I'm looking forward to the Super Bowl a little more. Uh, But with that, like you can get canceled in today's culture for the things you do, right? But it's not just the things you do that can get you canceled. Uh, You can also get canceled for just the things you say. Uh, My case in point is Chris Harrison, host of The Bachelor. Anybody know Chris? Nobody? Does anybody want... Okay, thank you. He was like, he's like the Ryan Seacrest of The Bachelor, okay, he was the long time running host uh, and he, he, he was like the guy, like the face of The Bachelor. And it was just a couple years ago, that a contestant, a girl on The Bachelor, she uh, was getting canceled for a photo of her from college that was getting passed around uh, that was deemed racially insensitive, and uh, they were canceling this girl, while Chris Harrison knew what the rest of the world didn't at this point, which is that she was going to win The Bachelor, and so in an attempt to be a good host and a good person, he came out, and he didn't defend the photo or what she'd done, but he did defend and say, hey, maybe she's grown as a person and, you know, we got to give her a chance to, to kind of uh, get out in front of this and apologize and, like, people can grow and people can change. Chris was canceled for this because people want to say that he was defending, like, racially insensitive stuff and blah, blah. That wasn't the case. But Chris was just saying something. He got canceled. See, uh, the things we say, the words we say, how we say them, can cause division and controversy, even if you're not trying to. Um, I'm gonna give you an example right now. Some of you may want to cancel me after I say these things, okay? One of them being, I've changed, I've grown. I used to think that pineapple did not belong on pizza, but now I am an avid believer of pineapple on pizza. Am I right? it's just good it's just like the sweet and the salty it's like savory oh it's so good pineapple deserves a seat at the table the round table it deserves to be on round table pizza is what i'm trying to say all right pineapple deserves to be there okay now all of you who just cheered all of you who just cheered you might be booing me now okay i have another controversial thing i'm going to say i think taylor swift is mid. She's mid, that's all I'm saying, she's mid, okay? When they announced that she is continuing and added more dates to the U.S. Eras tour, it's like a, a, like a groundhog seeing its shadow. I got depressed because it meant six more weeks of white girls crying to Dear John while passing out friendship bracelets. Taylor Swift is mid. all right? Some of you may want to cancel me for this, for just that simple thing I just said, but it's just, I don't know. It's just my opinion, okay? But look at it, I heard this recently. I heard this, somebody posted this post. They said, you know, Jesus would get canceled for the things he said. If Jesus was around today and he said those things he said before, Jesus would get canceled in today's culture. And I read that and I was like, dude, are you serious? He was canceled. <laughs> Jesus was literally crucified for the things he said. Uh, look, at, he, Jesus was not crucified for the miracles or the healings or when he fed thousands of people. Jesus was literally crucified for the things he said. He was canceled. He, he, he said those things thousands of years ago and he was canceled. And so through this series, what we're gonna look at is we're gonna look at controversial sayings of Jesus that effectively got him canceled things that today you and I as Christians as believers we may even have a hard time talking about or agreeing with these things Jesus said so we're gonna be in Matthew if you have your Bibles or the digital notes you can turn there we're gonna be in Matthew chapter 16 verses 24 through 27 here's what Jesus says For the son of man is going to come in his father's glory with his angels and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. This is the word of God, amen? Amen. Would you pray with me for a second? God, we just come before you, Lord, and as we dive into the series and we look at Jesus, things uh, that, that came straight out of your mouth, Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to understanding, uh, to knowing your scripture, knowing that the things you said all those years ago are still relevant to us today. And so, Lord, I pray a blessing over this evening, uh, pray a blessing over the scripture we're about to unpack, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So, um, I am a certified uh a uh, premarital counselor. So I was certified through a program called Symbus, Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts. And I do premarital counseling. And uh, it's just kind of really all about helping uh, couples before they get married, kind of understand marriage and like what they're getting into. It's kind of unpacking some stuff. Just because I am a certified premarital counselor does not mean I am good at marriage, okay? I fail. A lot, all right, but thankfully my wife has a lot of grace for me. Um, but part of my kind of duty as a premarital counselor and 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 counseling some of these couples I take through premarital is I kind of stay up to date on the latest statistics. And Forbes a week ago just put out a whole new uh, a whole new article on research on the statistics of marriage and divorce. And it's very interesting, the divorce rate is still hovering at about 50%. So 50% of all first marriages, end in divorce and the divorce rate actually gets higher for second and third marriages. And if you're on your third marriage, there is a 73% chance that your marriage is gonna end in divorce. And so as I was combing through this article, um, this stat really jumped out at me. Um, It was the leading cause for divorce, the leading cause for divorce. And I was shocked. It wasn't infidelity. It wasn't uh, financial issues. The leading cause for divorce, counts for 75% of divorces, is a lack of commitment the leading cause that couples cited, individuals and couples cited as as a cause, a leading cause for their divorce, 75% of them said a lack of commitment, which is wild to me because marriages are solely based on the fact that you are committing to another person. That is what it's all about. Your marriage ceremony, the marriage, the piece of paper that you scribble your name on, it's all about your commitment to this other person. For better or for worse, for sickness and in health, for richer or for poorer, poorer, you are committing to this other person. That's what you're signing up for. Yes, 75% of marriages, uh, 75% of divorces, they, they say, they cite the leading cause is a lack of commitment. And I think this is why. Commitment always comes with sacrifice. Commitment always comes with sacrifice. When you you get married to somebody and you're committing, what you are saying is, I am willing to sacrifice some things about my life for you if not all things about my life for you. There's there's a a, a sacrifice in commitment. That means that you lose some of your autonomy, right? That means that I'm not going out all night at the club when my wife's at home with the baby, right? Like, there's some sacrifice there. Uh, That means that I'm going to check in with her when I want to make, you know, a a shoe expense and I want to buy some shoes. I got to make sure, hey, we got the money or, you know, or what. I got to respect the marriage there and if I need to I need to sacrifice. That means I can't buy the motorcycle I want because we are saving to buy a house. There's sacrifices in marriage, and the list goes on. And I think the reason why the leading cause that 50% of all marriages fail is due to a lack of commitment is because commitment means sacrifice. Why do I bring this up? Because I think the leading cause of people walking away from their faith is a lack of commitment. I think one of the leading causes of people leaving the church is is actually a a lack of commitment. And I I understand that there's people who leave the church due to like some form of spiritual abuse of a leader or uh, they're just, it just wasn't working. I know that there's a lot of different reasons somebody may leave their church or their faith behind, but I actually think one of the leading causes is a lack of commitment. See, when it comes to following Jesus, this is the controversy. This is what Jesus said. Jesus says that we. We need to deny ourselves and commit to him. And commitment comes with sacrifice. And Jesus calls us to self-sacrifice. He says, a committed follower is someone who is an avid denier of self. Now, why is that controversial? I mean, why is this a a cancelable statement? Because self in today's culture is the pinnacle of human existence. Our culture is all about self-love, self-worth, self-improvement, everything is about self, self self-care. It, it, yourself is the top of, of being, is self. If your marriage isn't serving you, leave it. <laughs> if, if your family doesn't support every one of your decisions, then and guess what the world tells you? Your family doesn't love you. If they don't agree with everything you do, they don't love you, and now you have trauma and you need to go to therapy, right? I mean, I mean seriously, I, if, 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 if your relationships aren't serving you anymore, cut them off. If there's no moral or objective truth, only your truth, right? Your body, your choice. If it's inconvenient to you, abort it. This is the situation and culture that we live in that self is top priority. And see the reality of self-service is that the goal is to satisfy your desires, your thoughts, your wants, your needs by any means necessary and at any cost necessary. Here's the thing about self-service you can achieve a lot with self-service. The reality is you can get pretty far with self-service. In fact, the Bible says that that you may be able to have the whole world. That's what that verse says by caring about self, by putting yourself first, like you may attain the whole world. Sometimes it works. You can get ahead. You can get fulfilled. You can take from relationships and drop them when they dry up. You can use people, manipulate situations to get what you want. Jesus says you can gain the whole world. You may attain what you're chasing after. You may be the next Jeff Bezos, extremely rich and very bald. That can be you obtaining the highest level But this is what he says, but in the process, Jesus says, you lose your soul. You lose your soul. And what that word for soul is in the Greek here is suke. Say suke. Suke. So when he says life and soul, it's the word suke. And it's describing, uh, what it's describing, suke, soul, is describing your inner core. Like yourself, what makes you, you, your soul, your suke. It's you, it's, it's the very essence of who you are. It's your identity, it's who a person is, your suke. And so, in other words, Jesus is telling his disciples that the world, you may be chasing after it, you may get everything that you needed out of it, but the world is gonna corrupt you, deform you, and it's gonna erase your identity that it will literally crush your destiny. And that he he says, in the end though, you may obtain everything on this side of heaven, but in the end, there's no reward for your work. And Jesus says, what good is that? What good is it that you would have all the money, all the notoriety, when life is just a little blip on the radar and eternity with me is forever? Jesus is saying the promises of the world are empty and amount to nothing in the long run. You will lose your soul chasing after the world. And the irony is, though, that if you want to save your soul, you have to lose it to the calling of Jesus. See, we're, we're all losing our soul, our identity. We're, we're all losing it to something. See, there's something you're trying to obtain, something you're trying to chase after, something you're trying to get. Your your soul is is moving towards that and chasing after it. We're all losing ourselves to something, and Jesus says, "Well, why not lose it to me?" See, because Jesus came to bring you life greater than one of empty self-service. He came to bring you a life that, that fills you and saves your soul. He wants to give you abundantly more than what you think you need. And he wants to give you a new identity and a new way of living. How does that happen? Well, Jesus says, by picking up our crosses. In verse 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. I love it, um, Jesus, <laughs> because Jesus is never a um, do as I say and not as I do person. He's never that way. Jesus is always a do as I do person. And Jesus never asks us to do something that he himself hasn't done. And so in Hebrews 5, it literally tells us that Jesus through obedience to his father chose to suffer the crucifixion. Like Jesus willingly paid the price for our sins, becoming the sacrifice we needed in order to have the righteousness of the Father. He literally went to the cross. He carried his cross and was crucified on it. And then he's telling us to pick up the cross. He, he doesn't do anything that, that he doesn't tell us to do anything that he himself hasn't done. And see, Jesus, when he's talking, he's talking to his disciples, right? And the thing is, as he's talking to his disciples and he's telling them to take up their cross, the reality is that some of those disciples would literally be carrying their cross to be crucified. Like some of them would literally be crucified for spreading the good news of Jesus. That is something that would happen. But I'll tell you today, Jesus is talking to us and he's telling us to pick up our cross. It's not a physical cross. It is not. Jesus already did the physical carrying of the cross. The cross he is asking you to carry is a spiritual one, and it's this, it's the cross of self-sacrifice. See, Jesus did not have to carry the cross, he chose to. Jesus was not self-serving, he was self-sacrificial for you. He was committed to serving you, to seeing you, to saving you. He was willing to sacrifice himself for you. And in the same way, Jesus is asking you to deny yourself, take up your cross and commit to him. And so here's the first thing we need to see and what we need to know about when it comes to picking up our crosses. And it's this, you have to let go in order to take hold. When it comes to picking up our crosses, here's what you have to know. you got to let go in order to take hold. And the Greek verb translated here as to deny. So that phrase, you got to deny yourself. That, that Greek uh, uh, verb here is uh, aparnaomi. Ap it's one word, aparnaomi. Simply, uh, this word means to deny the truth of a statement. But in the Bible, it's almost always coupled uh, with a connection to a person. So it's to uh, deny the truth of a statement, but it's almost always connected to a a a person. So denial really in the New Testament is this intentional disassociation from relationship with a particular person. Uh, Another translation, so another translation to deny would be to disown or renounce to disown or renounce. So if anyone wants to be my disciple, they need to disown or renounce themselves. Uh, This is the same verb when Peter, uh, says it says he denies Jesus. He disowns, he renounces Jesus. He denies even knowing Jesus or having any association with him. So self-denial then is the intentional disowning of self or stepping away from relationship with self as primary, right? Look, Jesus is not making a statement about self saying like, he's not saying self is good or bad or whatever. Jesus is not making a statement like that. What he's saying is that He wants to know who we are most closely associated with. Who is our primary allegiance to? Is it to him or ourselves? And see, when Jesus calls for self-denial and cross-bearing, what he's asking for is for you to set aside your allegiance to self and pick up your allegiance to him, giving him control of your life to the very depths of your being. Here's what happens when Jesus has control your life begins to transform. When Jesus has control, your life begins to transform. Your soul literally begins to change. When the view of yourself is diminished, you realize there's more to life than getting what you want any way that you can. This is the process the Bible calls sanctification. It's sanctification, it's becoming more Christ-like. It's our souls, our suke changing and looking more like Jesus, right? And so it's hard for you is to be transformed into a new creation, not just one day in the future, not just once when you get into heaven, but right now, today, in this very moment, he wants your soul to be transformed. He wants you to look different, be different. He wants you to be a reflection of him. Why is this important? Why should you set aside yourself? Why would Jesus want you to be a reflection of him? This is why, listen, this is very important. If you don't take anything else away, I want you to know this. (laughs) The world does not revolve around you and neither does salvation. The world does not revolve around you and neither does salvation. Jesus chose to carry that cross and he died for you, but not only for you, but for the entire world. There is more to the gospel than just you. His self-sacrifice was for everyone. And in a world that's all about self, here's what Jesus wants. Jesus wants you to break the status quo and be all about others. Philippians 2 3 says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. See, putting others first is the exact opposite of our nature. It is the complete counter cultural thing to do to put others above ourselves. We have to do what doesn't come naturally to us. And the only way to do that is to give up control and give it to Jesus in every area of our lives, daily choosing him and picking up our crosses. Now here's the second thing we need to know about carrying our crosses. Second thing we need to know is this, it's not a private thing. It's a public spectacle. <laughs> it's not a private thing, it's a public spectacle. Um, earlier this year, in February, I believe it was, I got to take a trip and lead some worship in Jerusalem. Um, and if you read your Bible at all, Jerusalem is a pretty um, central place uh, for a lot of the stuff that happens in the Bible. So for me, it was absolutely incredible. It was like seeing the Bible come to life, right? Do you remember your first time as a kid at like Disney? And it felt like your favorite Disney movies were like coming to life. You're like, I'm here, this is Cinderella's castle, whoa. And then you get older and it's like this big. Uh, Jerusalem is like your favorite childhood stories come to life, except for like, it's really big. (laughs) Like it's huge. I cannot even describe the size of the buildings and architecture, but it was incredible being there. One of the things we did is we walked the uh, Via Dolorosa, the Via Dolorosa. And that translated is the way of uh, pain, I believe it is. The, The painful way, I guess you can translate it as. And what this is, they believe is traditionally, they viewed this as the path that Jesus would walk as he was literally carrying his cross. After they had stripped him, beat him, whipped him, condemned him, Jesus would pick up this giant stake of wood that he would be hung on and he would carry it down this path. And, it, and it's a long path. I got tired walking it and I literally just had my cell phone in my pocket and I couldn't imagine Jesus carrying such a large piece of wood and the pain, staking agony that he would be in. And you know, as he walked that path, it wasn't a private matter. It was a public spectacle. People were there to watch, to boo him, to spit on him, to kick him while he was down. I mean, he walked this way and people were watching, crowds of people line the streets as Jesus walked this path of pain. And you know, at the time, it was a path of shame. It was was a path of guilt. It was a path of condemnation. But can I tell you, Jesus transformed that path. And now it's seen as a path of grace, and of mercy, and of love, and of freedom. See, my friends, Jesus does not want your relationship with him to be private. He wants the world to see it. I think we need to move away from this idea that you have to keep your relationship with Jesus hidden. Because the reality is that he wants people around you to see you carry that cross. (laughs) What does that mean? That means when you're at work and you have the opportunity to tear someone else down so that you can get ahead. Instead, you choose the cross of love. And you let people see it. What does that mean? That, that means when someone does you wrong and you have the opportunity to choose revenge, but instead you choose the cross of grace, Jesus wants people to see that. When your parents or your boss ask you to do something that you think is beneath you, <laughs> instead of thinking that you're better than that, You choose the cross of a servant's heart like Jesus, who washed the disciples' feet. Jesus wants people to see that. How you reflect Jesus matters because it may be the only Jesus people see. See, you know, I think, uh, you you wanna think, (laughs) I think the thing that turns people away from Christianity the fastest is when they see a Christian, but they don't see the cross. I think that the thing that turns people away from Christianity the quickest is when they hear someone claim the title of Christian, but they don't see Christ. See, my friends, if you wanna be a Christian and you wanna claim the title of Christian make sure you're picking up your cross publicly so that they can see the Christ in you, your relationship with Jesus was never meant to be a private matter. It was meant to be a public thing how you live your life, how you treat people was meant to be public. The Bible says by by those fruits, they will know that people are my disciples. By the fact that people are picking up the crosses, following after me, that's how I'm gonna know. Here's the last thing we need to know when it comes to picking up our crosses, it's this. Jesus promises to give you more than you give up. Jesus promises to give you more than you give up uh, when I was a kid i, I my first inclination for like my career and what I wanted to do uh, was not to be a pastor, okay It was not to be a worship leader um, it wasn 't to be any of those things. Uh, my first thing I wanted to be was an archaeologist because I loved Indiana Jones, right, and I wanted to grow up and go on adventures, and then I realized they don 't actually do that all right you 're not running from boulders and like whipping bad guys. no. So then I was like, no, I don't want to be that. And then uh, a little later in life, um, I really started to like get, get like really into music. And then I was like, maybe I want to be a recording artist. And a few years after that, I really started heavily getting into acting. And I wanted to go to acting school and be an actor. And then maybe I was like, oh, maybe I'll be a pilot. I mean, there's a lot of things that I want to do. I had all these dreams and aspirations. And really, I feel like I could have made a name for myself, right? Like I could have made a name for myself a legacy, I could be like Jake Watkins, famous guy, a little more mid than Taylor Swift. You know, that'd just be, I'd settle for that. The reality though, is that I felt God calling me into ministry and I chose to give that up and just pursue him. And honestly, any name or title that I could have made for myself out there is nothing compared to what Jesus has given me here the title of worship leader or pastor, or how about friend or husband or father? Jesus has blessed my life more than I can have possibly imagined. See, I think many of us are afraid that when it comes to denying ourself, we're afraid that it means giving up everything good in life that we want. That's what we're afraid of deny ourselves and pick up my cross and follow Jesus? Does that mean I can't, like, I have those things? Does that mean, what if, what if Jesus doesn't want me to have a family? What if I have to, like, be celibate for the rest of my life? I don't know if I can handle that, Jesus. And so you'd rather not pick up the cross. You're like, if that's what denying myself means, I'm not gonna do it. Look, we got a wrong view of what denying ourself means, because Leaving all of your dreams and your desires and your wants for life behind is not what Jesus is talking about. In fact, that's actually false. It's not true. This is what the Bible actually says. In Psalm 37, verses three through five, this is what it says. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. Jesus, God is not asking you to give up everything you've ever wanted. He's not asking you to give up your desires. He's asking you to give up your way of attaining them. Jesus is not asking you to give up your wants and desires. He's asking you to give up your way of achieving those things. Here's what I wonder. I wonder if that, the 50% of marriages that fail, I wonder if we have a 50% divorce rate because 50% of the people who get married are marrying out of a place of loneliness, that they just wanna fill the void. That they, they just had a need that needed to be filled, and so they like picked the first person that liked them back. <laughs> they didn't care about the morals or the background. They're like, ooh, you're attractive. Oh, you like me? I'm in. And then they just headed down the path. They got married. I wonder, I wonder if there's something to that. I think, uh, see, in our society, I don't think we know how to deny ourselves in fact, I think we're becoming hardwired for instant gratification, right? I think we're literally becoming uh, hardwired to have everything and have it now, right? We use the internet to fulfill our needs and then eventually that's not enough and we look at people like they're just vessels for our self-gratification. And all of a sudden we're using relationships and we're using people and we just see them as a means to an end to gratify ourselves. And you know, it doesn't have to be sexually. It can be emotionally emotionally. I think a lot of us emotionally use people all the time. You talk to them, you're kind of flirty, they're kind of feeling this need here of like not to be lonely, like you can't deal with being by yourself so you're using this other person and you're leading them on and then something better comes along and you just ghost them. (laughs) And you just move on to this next emotional connection and then that ends and then what do you do? You go back. You're like, oh hey, what's up? And then you lead them on again and it's an endless cycle of using people. And some of you, It's not emotional or it's not physical. There is business-minded people, entrepreneur types, who literally just view people as a resource to use. They view people, they meet people, and they automatically want to know, what can you do for me? That's how we're using people nowadays. See, what Jesus wants is for you to see people how he sees them. Not as a means to an end, but people worthy of his love and respect. Here's what he wants. He wants you to trust him. (laughs) He wants you to trust him with your wants and your desires and vision for your life. And he wants you to achieve those goals and dreams with him. Jesus will bring the right resources and people and significant others into your life at the right timing, but you have to trust him and commit to his ways, becoming a servant of people, not a user of people. See, I think some of you are afraid of that, serving people. You're afraid of denying self. You're afraid of being a doormat. (laughs) You're afraid of getting used and trampled over. You're afraid that if you don't seize that opportunity, You're you're, you're afraid if you put the knife down and you're not ready to stab somebody in the back at the first chance so that you can get a promotion, you're afraid that you'll never get ahead in life. The reality is it's not true. It's not true. See, God has a habit of elevating servants to leaders. God has a habit of elevating servants to leaders. David was a shepherd who faithfully served his family and God elevated him to the place of king. Joseph served faithfully when he was in prison and God took him from prisoner to commander of Egypt. Jesus was a carpenter who self-sacrificed on the cross. Now he sits elevated at the right hand of God. You have to trust and believe that you don't need to force things to happen, that God will make things happen. Here's what he's calling you to today is to just simply follow him. In Matthew chapter 6, verse uh, 33, it says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. See, not only do I believe that God wants the best for you and will fulfill those desires in you the right way, but I think you'll also be eternally rewarded for letting him have that authority over your life. Here's what I mean. Matthew 16, verse 27, for the son of man is going to come in his father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. When you follow Jesus, not only are you gonna be taken care of in this life, but you will be taken care of in the next. Not only does God wanna give you the desires of your heart now in the right way as he helps you achieve your purpose and goals for life, he wants to set you up eternally too. He says, look, look, if you live life this way, if you pick up your cross and follow after me in my footsteps and you serve people and you love people and you show them me, look, I'm gonna set you up in this life but I'm gonna also set you up for eternity. You will be rewarded. I'll come back and I'll say, good job, good and faithful servant. Here is your.'" reward. That is what Jesus says. So my question for you today is, do you trust Jesus with your life? Like, do you trust him enough to deny yourself? Do you trust him enough to to self-sacrifice? Do you trust him enough to, to give the control and authority over your life that he deserves See, the gospel's not only about you getting into heaven, but about heaven getting into you now. It's about your soul looking more like Jesus every day as you love people the way Jesus loves them, and you trust God to fulfill your life in the way that he can. Amen? Let's pray. God, I just thank you for this Tuesday night. I thank you for... The impact of your word and what it has for us, God. Lord, I pray that we can step out in trust, believing and knowing that you are good. God, that you give good gifts. God, that you have placed the desires in our heart, God, and you will fulfill them. Lord, we don't need to take shortcuts to to attain those things. God, we don't need to tear other people down. Lord, what you have for us, you will give us. So, Lord, I pray that we can just trust you, trust your name, that we can deny ourselves and just pick up our cross and follow you every day. Lord, in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning into AnchorCast. I pray that you take this word and that Jesus transforms your life in ways you never thought possible. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. And of course, follow us on social media at Anchor Nights to stay up to date with all of our events, meetings, and uploads. Thanks again for listening.